All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sponsor, Atamator Sponsors, for the month of Av. To thank Max and Brenda Lapkowski for dedicating the Shi'urim this month in honor of the upcoming Bar Mitzvah of their son Yitzchak Meir. To thank Dr. Riva Mitzner for dedicating the Shi'urim this month in commemoration of the first yard site of her father, Dr. Larry Schenk Ari Ben Chaim Zichron Livracha, and Jack Bennett for dedicating the Shi'urim in memory of Sergeant Omer Taviv, who was killed in on the Gaza border on May 12, 2021. We also thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Shmuel and Shira Artman, in honor of the birth of a baby girl to Jesse and to Rivka Meyerovitz. We hope that Amir Tashan and Meyerovitz, Mishbacha, Zoha, the God of the Torah, the Chuppah, or the Maisim Tovim. And also with that, let us begin. So we have the great Zichos today to begin the third parak of Masech Sukkah, the parak of Lulav Hagazol. Now, what's exciting now about many of the coming Dapim is that we will begin to learn the halachos concerning the Dalad Minim. You know, what, what goes ahead and makes the Dalmin, the Lulav, the Esrog, the Hadassim, and the Aravas, what makes everything kosher, what represents ultimately a, a psul, and, uh, and, and everything in between. So with that, let us begin. So today's daf is Lamed 30. We are picking up at the Mishnah on Chavtas Amid Beis 29b. Says the Mishnah, Lulav HaGazel. If you have a lulav that is stolen, now what's going to happen over here is the Mishnah is going to, going to, going to, going to go through a list of things which invalidate a lulav. So let's go. So the bottom line is all of these things that are going to be mentioned all make the lulav puzzle. But let's kind of analyze them one by one. So number one is a stolen lulav, lulav agazel. Take a look at Rashi. Gazel. So actually, we don't have to write gazel. Puzzle or psul. So we'll say many of these things that Rashi says over here we're actually going to see in the Gemara. But it's kidai to look at it over here also. So Rashi says, what's the problem with using a stolen lulav? So the Torah says, You shall take for yourselves, which indicates to us what? that a lulav must belong to you. So therefore, again, if you use a stolen lulav, that by definition is an invalidation. So that's number one. Number two, yavish, a dried up lulav. Now, what dried up means, what dried up means is, is, always, something, is always something very interesting to note. We'll have to analyze that because there's always some level of brown on the lulav. The presence of something brown on the lulav does not indicate that it's yavish, but how much brown curl lulav have, we'll discuss. So look at Rashi. What's wrong with the dried up lulav? So this is very interesting. So the psul of a dried up lulav is a psul in hider mitzvah. Hider mitzvah means that I have an obligation to go ahead and beautify my performance of mitzvahs. Where is the concept of hider mitzvah learned from? From Az Yashir. When Klali Yisrael says, Ze keli vanvehu, this is my God and I will exalt him. So the Gemara Darshans, Hisnoeh, anvehu, it's a play on words, Hisnoeh, the fun of the mitzvos. Make your mitzvos beautiful. So this is very interesting, I because when we think about Hidr Mitzvah, right, what's Hidr Mitzvah? How, how, do you, how do you view, conceptually, how do you view Hidr Mitzvah? It's an extra. It's an extra. It's a hosafa. It's an add-on. The absence of Hidr Mitzvah does that invalidate? Does that invalidate the mitzvah? So the pashtus we assume no. Yet interestingly enough, the gemara is saying over here that a dried up lulav is going to be puzzle. Why? Because it lacks hider, right? It lacks hider. It lacks beauty. 
It lacks beauty and therefore it's possible. Again, like I said, we'll analyze obviously all of this in the, in the Gemara. Next. So, you have a dried up lulav. You have ultimately, again, a, a stolen lulav. It is possible. Now, very interesting. If you have a lulav of an Asherah tree, so we're quite familiar with this. Remember, again, the Asherah tree was a tree that was worshipped for Avodah for idolatry purposes. So, if you go ahead and you have a lulav of an Asherah tree, or of an Irani Dachas. Now we'll say an Irani Dachas is a condemned city because all of the inhabitants worship idolatry. What do you do with an Irani Dachas? You wipe it out. You wipe it out and you go ahead and you wipe out the inhabitants, but you also go ahead and totally destroy all of the possessions. So this is very interesting. So what's the nature of the psul of a lulav that comes from an Asherah or an Irani Dachas? If you look at Rashi, so Vishal Irani Dachas, Rashi says, Rashi says for Asherah, we'll see why. But Irani Dachas, very interesting. Mishum Because remember again, as we just mentioned before, anything in an Irani Dachas has to be burned. But I watch this. Tixiv, that's called Shlala. Take boats. Velulav, boy, sheer, dalid, tfochim. The haven, the highest, refakai. Ain't she urakayim, the kisar, dalid. So this is fascinating. So we're going to see that there's a minimum sheer. Of a lulav. What that minimum shear is, uh, we'll, we'll discuss. When something is part of an irani dachas, it has to be destroyed. Because it has to be destroyed, therefore Rashi says the equivalent is, or the, the, in essence, it lacks the shear. You hear this interesting idea? Because it has to be burned, by definition, it doesn't have the requisite shear to make the lulav kosher. That's the problem with irani dachas. So it's really interesting. The lulav itself, the lulav itself, in essence, could conform to all of the details that make a lulav kasher. But because it comes from an irani dachas, and everything in the irani dachas is condemned to be burned, it's as if that lulav is burned and therefore lacks the requisite shear to make a kasher lulav. So really a very interesting idea. Inherently, it's fine, but status-wise, status-wise, it does not possess the requisite what's the right word, details or, or, or qualities in order to go ahead and be a kashul luluv. Again, we'll expound on that in the Gemara. Niktam rosho, interesting cases now. What happens if the top of the luluv is snipped off? So literally, the top, top, top was cut off. Or nifritsu alav. So we'll say nifritsu alav, Rashi says over here. So first of all, Rashi says, niktam rosho, pasal dalo havi hadar. Once again, Rashi says, if the top of the lulav is chopped off, the lulav is puzzled. Why? It's not hotter. It's not beautiful. So again, I'll both say the same question as we had before. It's interesting. It's interesting because at the end of the day, although we're familiar with the concept of hidr mitzvah, hidr mitzvah usually view as an add-on, not usually as something integral to the mitzvah. Again, we'll analyze. Nifritsu alav, Rashi says over nifritsu alav, mishedra ve'ino mechubarn ela ayyideh aguda. Kichufya. So we'll say in this case over here, the leaves, remember, we're going to discuss that a lulav essentially has, well, it has a number of parts, but for our purposes right now, there's a shedra, which is the thick spine. And if you look at the way a lulav is set up, the leaves or the branches, we'll call them the leaves, come off the spine. What happens if all of the leaves were detached from the spine, but you tied them back together? That's, that's the case ultimately, again, of nifritsu alav. The leaves came off, you tied them back together to the spine of the lulav. Puzzle. Ultimately, again, the lulav is puzzle. Nifridu alav. What happens if halacha lemaisa, the, the leaves didn't come off, but the leaves what? 
separated out. So remember again, a lulav over time, we're going to discuss what ends up happening is the leaves, the leaves go ahead and grow outward. So I say, when we get a lulav, when we get a lulav um, for sukkis, we are getting an immature palm branch. Right, that's you, you can see this all the time, right? You can see this that that if you look at palm trees, so the way it works is when you leave the palm branch on the tree, what ends up happening is over time the leaves go go grow apart and then they stiffen like that. They stay hard like that. So the case over here, so nifritsu olive means the leaves came off. You tie them back together. Nifritsu olive means essentially the 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 leaves are beginning to separate. They're beginning to so nifrat. They're beginning to separate. They're still attached to the spine, but they're beginning to separate. So what's talacha? Kasher. In that case, ultimately, again, the lulav is still kasher. And again, we'll discuss all of this. Rashi says over here, nifradu alav michubarnhin b'shedra ela shalamala hin nifradin lekana lekan ka'anfe ilan. Good. So they're still attached to the spine, but ultimately, again, now they're beginning to grow outward. Rabbi Yehuda Omri Rabbi Yehuda says yagdeno milamala. If you have a lulav whose leaves are growing outward, so again, Rabbi Huda doesn't disagree with the Tanakama. The lulav is still going to be kosher. But what? You really should tie the leaves together. In other words, tie the lulav in a way that the leaves are brought back tight to the shedra. Tzinei harbarzel k'sheros. So I said tzinei harbarzel are lulavim that come from this place called harbarzel. It's just the name of a location. Ultimately, again, they're kosher. Well, see in the Gemara why exactly we need to discuss this. Um, and we'll see now the Mishnah ends off by saying that if you have a lulav that has a minimum height of three tfachim, that's kosher. Why? Because if it has three tfachim, you can shake it. Now we'll discuss exactly what the requisite share for lulav is. If we hold like that, if we don't hold like that, we shall see. But if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Mefarish Bigmar Shloshat Fakhtin Tehya Shedra Kinagit Arako Shahados, the Tevakios Kedela Naanea, Tebainer Niinua Kedela Kamon, Maala Umorid Molech Umevi. So, also one of the interesting things that we're going to do is we are going to solve the age old question about how much shake do you really have to have? Right? Because you see, some people, Mamish, go to, te- I will tell you, as someone who spends a lot of time on the love of Minasrogim, and I see people who really go nuts on the shaking. Right? It, uh, it, 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 it sends shivers up my spine, up my lulav spine and my physical spine. Because the best way to puzzle your lulav very quickly is to go nuts on the shaking. Now again, what we'll discuss, halach so what do you have to do? Is there a mitzvah to shake? Is there a mitzvah just to move it in different directions? But in any event, the, Gimaris, the Mishnah says over here that the shirfa lulav, interestingly enough, means it has to be three tfachim. We're going to see it's not really three tfachim. It should be more than three tfachim, but it has to be long enough so that there is the ability to shake the lulav. Again, we'll see more in the Gemara regarding that. Incredible. We'll say, let's come to the Gemara. Now, we're going to, what we're really going to focus on today, really for the majority of today's sugya, is the opening line of the Mishnah of lulav ha-gazl v'hayavish. And really, this is going to be a fascinating sugya. So says the Gemara. Kapasik vitani loshna biyamtav rishon veloshna biyamtav sheni. Now, we'll say, so the Gemara makes an interesting observation that when the Mishnah says that you can't use a lulav that is stolen or that is dry, it just says pasal. Now, the Mishnah makes no distinction 
Are we talking about the first day of Yom Tiv? Are we talking about the second day of Yom Tiv? Now the Gemara doesn't say it explicitly. We'll see it, we'll see it a little bit later in Ferdin Rashi. But you understand, of course, as follows. That, remember, Halacha there is only a mitzvah da'oraisa, biblical obligation to take the lulav and esrog on day number one. Right? Because very simply, the Pasuk says, Ulakachtem lochem bayom harishon. You shall take on the first day. Kapos tamarim, anafetz abos, arvei nachal. Right? Torah then says, take all the dalad minim. Pre-tzadr, I skipped. Right? So you have to only bayom harishon. The rest of the days that we take lulav and esrog are drabonon. Or rabbinic. Again, we'll discuss the nature of the Daraisa versus the Dirabanan, what they did in the Beis HaMikdash, what we later on now do outside of the Beis HaMikdash, we'll discuss all of that. But for now, but for now, first day is Daraisa, rest of the days are Dirabanan. So the Gemara says it's interesting that the Mishnah makes no distinction between day one and the rest of the days, which sounds like, for example, a lulav that is dried out or a lulav that is stolen is going to be possible on any day, or it doesn't make a difference the day. So, Kaposik Vatani, Loshnabiam Tavishon, Loshnabiam Tavshimi. So, let's analyze this. Bishlama Yavesh Hadarba Inon Veleka. I understand why a lulav that is dried out is, is going to be, is going to be possible, because ultimately, again, Hadar, it lacks Hidr, right? It lacks, it lacks halachic beauty or mitzvah beauty. Therefore, it is going to go ahead and be possible. Look at Rashi. Bishlama Yavesh, Pasal Bidrabana, or Psul Bidrabana, Nami Kevan the Mitzvahi, who Mishum Zecha the Mikdash Ba'inan Hidr Mitzvah. So I'll say, this is actually very interesting. So what's, what's happening over here is like this. Remember, we said before, how could it be that a Mitzvah would be Pasal, would be Pasal, because it lacks Hidr? Hidr Mitzvah seems to be like it's gravy. Uh, you'll excuse me for saying that, right? It's like, it's like icing on the cake, it's something additional. So Rashi says something very over, interesting over here. Rashi says, when we take the lulav outside of the base, outside when we take lulav outside of the base of mikdash, that is a mitzvah zecher lemikdash. Again, we'll see all of this in the gemara, but it is a mitzvah zecher lemikdash. So Rashi suggests that any time you have a mitzvah that is zecher lemikdash, by definition, that requires hider. It's almost as if there's an additional element of hider when it comes to mitzvos zecher. Lamikdash. So really quite interesting. Again, we'll, we'll expound on that in just a little bit. So the Gemara says, I understand why Yavesh is an invalidation on any day, because Lulav on the first day, and even on the rest of the days, is Zechel Lamikdash. Well, first day is Daraisa. Rest of the days is Lamikdash. So if it's not Hadar, right, if there's no beauty in it, it's invalid. The Gemara says, furthermore, Ela Gazel, what about a stolen Lulav? Bish, Lama Yom Tev Rishon, Dechsev Lachem, Mishalachem. So the Gemara says, I understand why a stolen lulav is invalid on the first day. Why? It has to be yours. But why should a stolen lulav be puzzled the rest of the days of Yom Tiv? It's a good kasha. There's no din of lachem. We, we, we know this. We know this, right? Because again, remember, it's such a big deal. If you don't have your lulav and esrub, you know, on the first day of Yom Tiv, on the first day of Yom Tiv, there's a whole process you have to go through. It's not just enough to borrow. It has to be a matana, right? It could be a matana manas lahachzir, a gift on the condition to give. There's a whole bunch of hoops you have to jump through if you have to borrow, if you have to use someone else's lulav and esrub. That only applies on day one. The rest of the Yom Tiv, if you want to borrow, you don't have to start, are you giving it to me as a gift? Do I really own it? Can I own it on the condition to give it back? You know, you could just borrow it. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. A stolen love, I got it. It's not yours. And therefore, you can't use it first day. 
But the Gemara is actually entertaining the possibility, why can't I be Yotze the Mitzvah? Why can't I be Yotze the Mitzvah with the stolen Lulav, the rest of the Yomtiv? Then I will say, sometimes we see something like this, we say to ourselves, what, really? You're stealing a Lulav? You want to be Yotze the Mitzvah? What a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. So I will say, a little bit of, a, of, of an important newsflash. We're all a shtickle hypocritical. Right? All, all of us are hypocritical. In other words, the nature of the human condition is to be hypocritical. Meaning what? I, on one hand, I do mitzvahs, and I also do plenty of averus. Right? So what does that mean? My mitzvahs aren't meaningful because I do averus, or because I go ahead and I do something good, but I do something really bad. Does the really bad thing overturn and undo the really good thing? No, that, that's the nature of the human condition. We all live with inconsistencies. We all live with a little bit of hypocrisy, simply because I'm not perfect, but the imperfections that I have do not go ahead and obscure or undo the good that I commit. So the guy might be a thief, but he still wants to come to show with it. It was a little of an asterisk. Right, so again, that, that, this is his inconsistency. So the Gemara says over here, why should it be a problem to use a stolen lulav the rest of Yantiv? So this is great. This is great. Amr Biochim Mishum Mishum Bayochai Mishum Tap of Lamed Tap of Lamed Mishum the Havili Mitzvah Haba Baavera. Wow. Well, say here we are introduced to this fascinating sugya. Do you know why you can't do this? You can't use a stolen lulav because it is a mitzvah haba baavera. Literally, meaning literally, it is a mitzvah that is performed through the commission of a sin. The way you are performing the mitzvah of lulav and esrog is you are stealing. The lulav. You're stealing the lulav. Therefore, it is a mitzvah haba ba'avera. And I will say, how do you know that a mitzvah haba ba'avera is problematic? How, how, how do I know that? Shene'emar, because he quotes over, interestingly enough, the Pasuk from Malachi. So I'll say, the notion of mitzvah haba ba'avera is actually not a do'oraisa concept, but rather it is, we learned that from the, from the Navi. So the Gemara says as follows. So, so the Navi says, Navi Malachi says, so, so the Navi, the Navi is lamenting, lamenting, um, ultimate. He says, you bring, you bring the guzzle, the stolen animal, the piseach, the blind animal, and the sick animal. So the Navi is saying, you know, you bring all of these pathetic like animals to my base hamikdash. To my base hamikdash. So the Gemara says something amazing. The Gemara says, Guzzle domen de piseach. Now it's interesting that we are mentioning a stolen animal in the same line as what? As the blind animal. Ma piseach les leitakanto. Just like a blind animal, there's no remedy for a blind animal. In other words, it's possible. It's, it's, it's ineligible for use as a carbon. Af guzzle les leitakanto. So too again, if an animal is stolen, there is no remedy. In other words, you can't use that animal. Why not? Why not? This becomes what's called a mitzvah haba ba'avera. So look at Rashi, af gazel. Ya'afinan minei de'en lo takana la'achar zman. Ba'afilu b'yeyosh, we'll see this. Well, actually, we'll get to this in just a moment. So we'll say, the Gemara just adds in over it. So we'll say, interestingly enough, the kind of mitzvah haba ba'avera, learned that from Malachi, that the Navi says, you're bringing stolen animals, you're bringing blind animals, equates both stolen to blind, just like blind is an irrevocable begam. Right? You, you can't go ahead and offer it up. There's no way to remedy that. So too, if it's stolen, there's no way to remedy that as well. Mitzvah ha'ba ba'avera. 
Now the Gemara just says, interestingly enough, lo shna lefnei yeyosh, velo shna l'achar yeyosh. One more interesting qualifying statement over here. We seem to make no distinction between before yeyosh and after. So I'll say very exciting. A little bit to many of us, this brings us back to our, to our you, know, you know, yeshiva days when we were young and learning about yeyosh. So remember again, I'll say the Gemara says, makes the difference before yeyosh and after yeyosh. So remember again, remember yeyosh is the concept of relinquishing ownership rights. So technically speaking, if a person relinquishes, a person loses an object or an object is stolen, once they relinquish ownership rights, halacha again, halacha lamaisa, the a person is another person is able to acquire that particular item. So the Gemara says, interestingly enough, it appears that a stolen, a stolen, a stolen lulav is going to be problematic, whether it is before yeyosh. Or after Yesh. We'll get into that in just a moment. Look at Rashi. Look at Rashi. Af Gazel. Yafina minede in lotakana la achazman. So again, we learn it from the Navi Malachi that once you have a stolen lulav, it can't be used even later on. Vafidu biyeyosh. Even if the owners gave up hope of ever recovering it. Dishamina le le mare. Dimiyayish. Vaavar vay le lichisar kis. And this is true again. What does it mean, Yeyosh? Let's say you steal, you steal the lulav from Ruvain. And you hear Ruvain say, ay. I'm never going to get it back. Right? That's called Yeyosh. So now you've just heard that the owner is Yeyosh. Interestingly enough, what happens after an owner is Miyayish? Technically speaking, the thief acquires. Now, I'm simplifying a more complex discussion. But technically, the thief acquires once the owner has Yeyosh. Rashi says over here, So this is, a, this is incredible. Absolutely incredible. What the Gemara is saying is like this. There is a way to construct a case where you steal a lulav, and what? It's actually legally yours. You, you, you could have a case like that, where let's say technically you steal the lulav, the owner has yeosh, you know he has yeosh. On a technical level, again, you could become what we'll called the titular owner of that lulav. Quite, quite interesting. Yet, you still can't use it. Why can't you use it? Mitzvah ba'ba avera. See, even though, you, so here, Rossi, here was fascinating. Right, this is fascinating, no? Am I the only one who finds this fascinating? Yeah. Okay, good. No, so, so, so again, I just, I just want to point out something amazing. You could satisfy the biblical criteria of Lachem. So it's yours. It's yours. But because it's yours through an Avera, therefore ultimately it's not good. Therefore the Pasuk in Malachi says, so it's interesting, I'm satisfying the Pasuk in the Torah of Lachem, I'm not satisfying the Pasuk in Malachi of Mitzvah Baba Avera, and therefore I won't be Yotze with this Lulav. Pretty incredible. We'll come back to the Yeyosh piece. Bishlam Yeyosh. So let's go back for just a moment. I understand if I can't be Yotze with a stolen Lulav before Yeyosh, because after all, again, before Ye- remember, why not before Yeyosh? Because what was the status of the item before Yeyosh? It belongs to the owner. It belongs to the owner, right? So I understand that that doesn't work. Why? Because we'll say, for example, when it comes to Karbanos, the Torah says, anytime you're bringing something to HaKadosh Baruch mikem. if you bring something from yourself, which means you have to own it. To bring it to God, you have to own it. And at the end of the day, if you steal a lulav, and the owner has not yet had yeosh, it's not yours. It's not yours. Valavidehu. But I don't understand. If I stole a lulav and I know that the owner already had yeyosh, ha kanye bi I haven't, have I not acquired the object 
through Yehosh. In other words, we'll say, it sounds strange, it sounds strange. Yes, I committed an Avera, I have to deal with the Avera, but Lamaisa, at the end of the day now, the owner had Yehosh. Once he has Yehosh, I become the owner of the item. Why can't I fulfill the mitzvah with the item? Rather, we'll say, what do you see from here? Like I just said before, even though technically speaking, of gezel, of theft, Technically speaking, you are the owner of this stolen lulav because the owner experienced yeosh. The problem now is not a problem of ownership. Interestingly enough, the ownership tech, sounds strange, but the ownership piece is squared away because the owner had yeosh. So it's yours. It's yours, meaning the thief belongs to the thief. The problem over here is mitzvah ba'avera. And you can't be yotze the mitzvah of lulav through a mitzvah haba ba'avera. Pretty incredible. Vam Rabbi Yochanan, I will say, you understand like that, the hashkafa of mitzvah haba ba'avera is also quite beautiful, is quite fascinating that in Yiddishkeit, essentially, it's not just the results that matter. It's the process that matters just as much, right? Because if process didn't matter, then mitzvah baba avera would be absolutely fine. Because at the end of the day, I reached the finish line. I accomplished the mitzvah. The, the objective, the objective has been actualized. But the fact that mitzvah baba avera's puzzle tells me that the Ribbon Olam is not simply results-oriented. He's exceptionally process-oriented as well. And if the process is fundamentally flawed, then ultimately it undermines the very spiritual underpinnings of the particular endeavor or initiative. An incredible Yisod. So as I continuing on this theme of mitzvah baba avera, mishpat, Sone gezel ba'ola. What does it mean when, I, when the Pasuk says, I am Hashem. I am Hashem. I love justice. I love mishpat. Sone gezel ba'ola. I despise theft when it comes to the ola. Ola refers to the ola offering. What does that mean? But this is incredible. So, mashalom ala pasar v'dam shahaya over al beis hamechas. Well, let's listen to this. Give a mashal. A king, if you could imagine, who is going through a toll booth. He's going through a toll booth. So what happens? So the, so the king says to his uh, driver, pay the toll. Pay the toll. So they say to the king, king, I don't think you have to pay the toll. Right? All, all, all the money goes to you anyway. You don't have to pay the toll. We also this incredible. So the king says, no, no, no. I want my subjects to learn from me. When my subjects see me, see me pay the toll, even though, again, I don't have to, the money is mine, they'll learn from me to be careful about paying the toll. So to HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I am Hashem, and I despise, I despise Gezel, I despise theft when it comes to the Karbanos. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, don't bring stolen animals. Now I will say, now you can make a taina that a stolen Karban should be fit for, for, for a sacrificial offering. Why? Who are you giving it to? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Who owns everything anyway? The Riban Sholom. Whether, whether, whether it's me bringing the animal or the rightful owner bringing the animal, at the end, HaKadosh Baruch Hu owns it anyway. So therefore, again, technically speaking, even bringing a, a stolen Karban, stolen Ola, should be okay. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, 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 I don't want anything stolen. I learned from you many Elam do Banai, If I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, am careful with theft, even though what? Everything belongs to me Anyway, belongs to me anyway. 
So at the end of the day, you should be careful with theft as well. So I'll say it's a muscle to illustrate this idea that even though, again, one could have made the, I guess, theological or philosophical argument that there should be no problem doing some, performing a mitzvah with a stolen object because, hey, it belongs to God Anyway, the Rebbein Shalom says, I don't want anything stolen. And even though it does all belong to me, I don't want it. And therefore, my children, you should learn from me ultimately to be careful with that. Also, the mushal is also very powerful. How, how the, the mushal teaches us that whether, whether this is from a child rearing perspective, right, for a chinuch perspective, or, or in a if person serves in a leadership perspective, that it, it never works to say, do as I say. It only works to do or to say, do as I do, right? That, that the king says, even the king's got to pay the toll. Because if the king doesn't pay the toll, it, it just sets the wrong example. If we want our children to live lives in a certain way, or if we're in a leadership capacity and we're trying to influence other people, so we have to model the right behavior. You could talk as much as you want. You could say as much as you want. But at the end of the day, it's all about modeling the correct behavior for those who we want to emulate us. An incredible use. So, Saif Marnami, Amrabi Ami, Yavesh Pasal, Sheein Hadar. So it was another beautiful Gemara. So Yavesh, a dried up lulav, is possible because there's no hider. There's no beauty in it. Gazel possible. A stolen lulav is possible. Why? Mishum da'avile mitzvah haba ba'avera. Okay, so also here, here it's explicit. Again, same sort as we said before, just a bit more explicit over here. You can't use a stolen lulav because it is a mitzvah haba ba'avera. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Opligid Rab Yitzchak. So we'll say this. I'll just point out before we go on to Machlok. So I'll just give you an interesting maramakum just to think about because this sugya of mitzvah hababa avera is quite a fascinating one. So the Minchas Chinuch discusses this in mitzvah shin chaf hey shin chaf hey. So we'll say in in the Minchas Chinuch. We're not going to go through the whole thing. I just wanted to point out something fascinating. He says, listen, listen, just listen to this line. He says, the psul mitzvah hababa avera, eno psul be'etzem ha mitzvah, ela chisaron begavra ha mekayim ha mitzvah. The minchasinuch, this is fascinating. I will say, think about this just a moment. Let, let's, for, for literally one minute, right? We've now just established that a stolen lulav is not kosher, right? You can't use it. Why? Mitzvah hababa avera. Even though, again, it could technically satisfy the criteria of lachem, it's a mitzvah hababa avera, you can't use it. So we'll say, why can't I use it? What's, what's the problem? So this is incredible because we see that there's a raging machlokas. Is it a psul in the gavra or the chefza? Is it that a lulav, a lulav that comes to my hands through the commission of an avera, that's like a lulav from an asherah tree, right? That's like a lulav from an irani dachas. That's like a lulav whose, whose leaves have fallen off, right? It's just invalid. Or do we say, no, 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 no. The lulav is absolutely fine. The lulav is absolutely fine. What's the psulin of us? What's the psulin? The gavra in the individual. Now, I will say, so the posits, he says, mitzvah hababa avera is not a psul in the chafza. This is incredible. It's not a psul in the lulav. It's a psul in the gavra. It's a psul in you. It's a psul in the thief. I will say, by the way, there's a great raya for the minchasinuch. What's the raya? What's the raya? What's the raya? If the owner gets back his lulav, could he use it for could he use it for sukkahs? 
Absolutely. We'll say that's very different than the lulav from an irani dachas, from an asherah, whose uh, leaves have fallen. Can anyone be yoti with that lulav? No. So you, it would appear that this, there's a strong argument for the Sefer HaChinuch, because generally if it was a psul nechavtza, then no one should be, be able to be yotze with that lulav. But the fact that at the end of the day, it's just me the thief, me the thief, I can't be yotze with that lulav, but the owner can, which just seem to support the Minchas HaChinuch's assertion that mitzvah baba ba'aver is a psul in the gavra, not the psul in the chafza. Again, so just pointing out, it's a, it's a riveting machlokas. Shin, it's minchas chinuch, sefer chinuch, or minchas chinuch, really, the discussion is, shin chaf hey, have a look. So you goes weiter. Itmar nami, amrav avshi, amrav amrav, no, we did that. Upligad rabbi yitzchak, and we'll say that all of this argues on rabbi yitzchak. What does rabbi yitzchak say? This is incredible. Don't rabbi yitzchak, barachmani, amr shmuel, lo shonah, ela biyamta vrishon, when is there a problem? When is there a problem with, with Lulav HaGazel? Only again on the first day of Yom Tif. However, Aval B'Yom Tov Sheni, Mitok Sheyotzei B'Sha'ul, Yotzei Nami B'Gazel. But the Gemara's verse is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Now the only problem with a Lulav HaGazel, stolen Lulav, is on the first day. Now I'll say, now here's what's interesting. So Rabbi Yitzchak, but, but on the rest of the days of Yom Tif, the same way that you can go ahead and be yotze with a borrowed lulav, you can also what? You can also what? Be yotze with a stolen lulav. Incredible. They both say, now you have to understand something. It becomes clear, see, what's going to come out is this machlokes is also about the nature of the psul of a lulav hagazel. You see, it can't be that according, according to Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak must hold, what's the problem with lulav hagazel? What's the problem? What's the problem? Lachem. Lachem. Right? Not mitzvah baba avera. Because if it's mitzvah baba avera, that'll impact the use of the lulav when? Oh, every day. If it's lachem, a problem of ownership, well, lachem is only an issue on the first day. So it sounds crazy, but Rabbi Yitzchak is going to say you can't use a stolen lulav on day one because it doesn't satisfy the criteria of lachem. But you only need to satisfy the criteria of lachem on day one. For the rest of the days, so you don't need it at all. So therefore, lachem, I see he would say you could use a stolen lulav. He, he's not condoning it or encouraging it. But lamais, again, you can be yoti with the stolen lulav the rest of the days of sukkis. Incredible. So the Gemara's master of Nachem Bar Yitzchak, so Rabbi Nachem Bar Yitzchak raised the kasha, lulav ha'gazol v'hayav, a lulav that is stolen or a lulav that is dried up is possible. Hashaul, but ultimately, again, if it is if it is borrowed, kasher. You can be able to say with a borrowed lulav. So let's analyze this. Amos, when could you be able to say with a borrowed lulav? So the Gemara says, So you can't be yotzei with a borrowed lulav on the first day because on the first day you need lachem; it has to belong to you. Mishalachem, first white line on the bottom. And again, obviously, if I'm even if I'm borrowing, so this is incredibly important. We'll say because sometimes a person doesn't have their own lulav For, to be yotzei. This on day number one, it is not enough to borrow a lulav from someone, but rather again, one has to receive complete ownership of the lulav through the mechanism of a matana, of a gift. This is also very important. Like, even in your own family, let's say a person is going ahead and, a person is going ahead and sharing the lulav with adult children. With adult children. Or even with one spouse, right? So on the first day of Yom Tid, if you want the other person to go ahead and be yosu with it, you have to give it over as a complete matana. Borrowing it does not work. This is why, by the way, interestingly enough, there's a whole shayla, there's a whole shayla about what to do with children on the first day of Yom Tiv, 
because there are opinions that hold that a child has the ability to acquire, but does not have the ability to give over, to be, to be kona, but not to be makna. Therefore, again, the post can say, person has to be very careful to only give your child the lulav and esrog on day one, after you have fulfilled the mitzvah. Otherwise, you may have spent a lot of money on a beautiful lulav and esrog, and you're not yotzei. Amazingly enough, you're not yotzei on the daraisa day. So again, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all of these. So, so much here. So much here. It's absolutely incredible. So the Gemara says, right, so the Gemara says, so when is this? When is it problematic to use a borrowed lulav? So if you're going to say, so if it's Yom Rishon, Hak Siv Lachem. I'm sorry, when can you use a borrowed lulav? It can't be the first day because it says Lachem. Mishal Lachem, Lav Dideyu, Ela Lav Biyamtiv Sheni. Rather, it must be talking about the second day of Yamtiv. So the, the Braise over here must be referring to the second day of Yamtiv. And that's where it says, Vekatani, Guzzle Puzzle. And here, as it says, on the second day of Yamtiv, ultimately, again, a stolen lulav is still Puzzle. So this contradicts Rabbi Yitzchak, because Rabbi Yitzchak said, you can use a stolen lulav on the second day, because on the second day, you don't need Lachem. The Braise clearly seems to indicate that even on the second day, you can't use a stolen lulav. To which the Gemara says, no, the Olam, Yamtiv Rishon. Really, the Bryce is talking about the first day of Yamtiv, It goes without saying that on the first day of Yamtiv, you can't use a borrowed lulav. Why can't you use a borrowed lulav on the first day of Yamtiv? It's not yours. It's not yours. This is incredible. I would have thought you can use a stolen lulav on the first day of Yamtiv. Why? Because say when you go ahead and you steal a lulav, what happens? What happens? The owner gives up hope of ever getting it back. Right? After all, again, lulavim generally don't have a simon, like a real simon, a real identifying mark that you could reclaim it. So once you stole it, the owner gives up hope. On a technical halachic level, what happens when the owner gives up hope of retrieving the item? What happens? You, the thief, acquire it. So I'm going to thought, therefore, again, I do satisfy the criteria of lachem, and I could use a stolen lulav even on day one, kamash malon, that you cannot. So we'll say, so again, that, that kind of, so it comes out, Everyone's going to agree that Allah Chalamaisi can't use a stolen lulav. Is it a din and lachem? Or is it a problem of mitzvah haba ba'avera? So that's going to be a little bit of a machlokas. Nafkamina will be can you use a, lul- a stolen lulav on days two through seven? If you hold mitzvah haba ba'avera, you cannot. If you hold mitzvah din and lachem, you can. We're going to see that the majority opinion is going to really take the approach that it's a mitzvah haba ba'avera. And therefore, again, a stolen lulav will pretty much be precluded from use. For all seven days. So the Imar goes right there. I'll say this is fascinating. So Rafuna said to the Avankari, I'll say, are merchants. Are merchants. So he said to the merchants who would sell, they would sell Hadassim. They would sell Hadassim. He said to them, When you go ahead and you purchase Asa myrtle branches, right? When you go ahead and you purchase Hadassim from Akum, from idolaters, so we'll say what would happen? Merchants would come. They would go by. They would go by hadasim from from not from akum from from idolaters. So what would happen? They would go and the and, they, and then and then the merchants would resell it. So interesting. So if Huna said to the merchants, when you go to buy hadasim from the merchants, do me a favor. Don't cut the myrtle branches yourself. Don't don't cut the hadasim yourself. Let the akum, let the akum cut it for you and give it to you. Right? I'm the merchant. I'm going over to, to akum, right? Uh, Joe the akum. And what happens? I say, Joe akum, I want to purchase some adasim from your, from your, from your land. So Joe says, no problem. Rabbi says, do me a favor. Don't cut it down yourself. 
Ask Joe the Akum to cut it down and give it to you. Why? My time, Stam Gazlani Because unfortunately, again, a Stam Akum was suspected of stealing real estate, of stealing land, of stealing land. And Rashi says over here, Yisrael Hava, and it's, there was a, a large possibility that it was, Jew, or a possibility that it was Jewish land, although it doesn't actually matter if it was Jewish land or not. The Karka Amadez, the Karka Eina Nigzelis. But I will say, there is a fascinating dynamic of land. You can't steal land, right? Why can't you steal land? Why can't you steal land? Because it's unmovable, right? It's unmovable. So in other words, the, part of the dynamics of theft require you to be able to take the stolen object. Because a thief cannot go ahead and take land, therefore there's a klal in halacha, karka eina nigzelis. Land cannot be stolen, Land cannot be stolen. So the Gemara says, the Karka in an exalus. Hilchach, so I'll say, now watch this. Hilchach, inhu. Therefore, Yerba says, so what's the concern? Let's play this out. So the Akum has land, and there's a concern that he stole the land. So now what's going to happen? What's going to happen if I go ahead and I cut down the myrtle branches? There's the possibility, the Jewish merge, there's the possibility that's what? that I am taking myrtle branches from stolen land, karka in an exelas, right? So therefore, again, those are stolen myrtle branches. So what did Ravah tell the merchants to do? Hilchach legazazula inhu, let the akum, let the akum cut it down. Ki hechi delehavu yeosh bailim biadaihu didhu, vishimini harishos biadaihu. So I'll say this is incredible. So Ravah says, in the event that it's stolen, in the event that it's stolen, when the Akum cut, so here's the problem. The Akum stole the land. The problem is that land cannot be stolen. Because land cannot be stolen, whose possession is it still in? Whose possession is it in? The original owner. The original owner, because you can't, you can't, you can't steal land. So therefore, again, Rava says, let the Akum go ahead and cut down the, the branches. When the, Akum, when the Akum goes in and cuts down the branches, now the branches are movable property once they've been detached. Once the branches are in the hands of the Akum, we assume that the owner experiences Yeosh, right? He despairs from retrieving it. So now Yeosh has been experienced while the item is in the hands of the Akum. And then we add in an additional step of what we call Shinoi Rishos. Shinoi Rishos is when an object changes domain, which is considered to be another step in transference of ownership. So Rava says, don't cut down the myrtle branches yourselves. Don't cut it down yourself. Because the concern is that then you are actively engaged or actively involved with a stolen item. Masha'in came, if you let the Akum cut it down, the Yeyush occurs in the hands of the Akum. Once the Yeyush occurs in the hands of the Akum, what's the status of the myrtle branches? What's the status? They belong to the Akum. And now again, then once the Akum transfers it to you, now there's Yeyush in the hands of the Akum, and now there's what's called Shinerushos, change of domain. So that by the time the myrtle branches get to you, they are no longer considered stolen property. Now, Boston, I want to point out that Marashah says, by the way, Rava wasn't encouraging them to do this. In other words, best to, of course, avoid this situation in totality. But the Marashah says it must have been these were the only myrtle branches that were available. right? Because obviously you never want to get involved with anything that has any, any suffix of gazelle. But if there was no choice, there was no, there was no other ability, this was the best way to navigate the difficult situation. So the Gemara says, so, so. For one second, I don't stand. I can still go ahead and cut out the Akum from this. Why? Let the Jewish merchant go. 
cut the myrtle branches, cut the myrtle branches. When he does that, the, right, the, the yeyush of the owners occurs with the myrtle branches in the hands of the Jewish merchant. And then when the Jewish merchant sells it to the Jew, the shinoi rishus happens in the hands of the Jew. It was like, all we really want, all Ravah was saying was, look, let's say, we don't know this land to be stolen. Right? We don't know it to be stolen. We're concerned that maybe it's stolen. So Rav is just saying, well, we just want to make sure is that before you use those myrtle branches in your lula, before you use those hadasim, we just want to make sure that there was yeosh and shinui rishos. That's all we want. We want to make sure that there was a situational yeosh that the owners gave up any hope, whoever those owners are, of retrieving it, and that there was a change in, well, literally shinui rishos means a change of domain, a change of ownership. So the Gemara, so the Gemara is saying, Rabbi was suggesting that by let the Akum cut it down. Then when the Akum cut it down, Yeyosh occurs with the, in the Akum's hands. Then the Akum transfers it to the merchant, Shinoi Rishos. To which the Gemara says, even if the Jewish merchants cut it down, let the Jewish merchant cut, cut down the branches, cut down the Hadassim. Yeyosh happens in the hands of the merchants. And then what? When the merchants sell it to the end user Jew, that's Shinoi Rishos. To which the Gemara says, you're right. No, 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 but remember, we're talking about now, the, you know, we'll say not only do the merchants, to the Jewish merchants have to sell myrtle branches, but what? They also have to get their own myrtle branches. So Ravah was talking about, again, for when the merchants themselves want to acquire their hadasim that they're going to use, this is the right process. Let the, let the akum cut it down. Let there be again yeyosh in the hands of the akum, and then shinei rishos giving it over, and then shinei rishos when the akum or gives it over to the avankari, the merchant. I the gemara but maisa. But I don't understand why 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 don't we say that the that the hadasim are acquired with what we call shinoi maisa. And what shinoi maisa means a change. Rashi says likane b'shinoi maisa. Bottom of the page. You know, if you steal something and you change it, that's also a way of acquiring the item. So remember again, we take the Hadassim and what do we do with the Hadassim? We bundle them together with the Lulav. That's a Shinui Maisa. So even if you have to be concerned that for some reason it's stolen, wouldn't the end user acquire it by bundling the Hadassim into the Lulav? That's, that, that's a Shinui Maisa. You're doing something to change the item. To which the Gemara says... Because once we're going to see this machlokas, there's a machlokas whether or not the lulav, the hadasim, and the arabas need to be bound together at all. So it could be that this is reflecting the opinion that holds a lulav does not require binding, bounding, binding, does not need to be bound together. And as such, maybe there's no shinui ma'isa. And even if you want to say that lulav requires and really needs to be bound, shinui hachozelebriyasahu. It's very interesting. We'll say, even if you want to say Lulav has to be bound, and the binding, the binding of the different species together is a Shinui, any Shinui, any change that has the ability to go out and be easily returned to its previous state is not called a change. Is not called a change. So the, the, the Agud, right, the binding of everything together could just as easily be what? Be unbound, right? That which is bound could just as easily be unbound, and therefore it's not called a shinui. I vilik hashem. Why not go ahead and say that you acquire the hadasim ultimately again through a change in name, in other words, a change in identity? Because after all, hoshana. In the beginning, it's called an asa, right? And now it's called the hoshana. 
They both say now they both mean the same thing, which is Myrtle Branch, but they're known by different names. To which the Gemara says, "Mekar nami laasa hoshana karle." No people call people call the Myrtle Branch. They call it a hoshana from the beginning as well. So both say so that, that that kind of ends this story. But again, just to kind of bring out what we have. So we have over here is we know that a stolen lulav is going to be aser. Why? We have a machlokas. Either it's a problem of lachem or a problem of mitzvah haba The nafkamina being, the nafkamina being, is it just invalid for use on the first day or the entire yantar? Rabbi Yitzchak holds it's a din lachem. Nef Rabbi Yitzchak actually holds that alach so you use a stolen lulav on days two through seven. He equates a stolen lulav with a borrowed lulav. It, it becomes clear, and certainly alach so we reject that approach. And we accept the idea that a stolen lulav might also be a problem of lachem. But even if for somehow you took care of the problem of lachem, you still have a problem of what? Mitzvah haba ba'avera. Learned out from the concept of malachi. Machlokes is mitzvah haba ba'avera. Adine mechepta, adine megavra. I alluded to that. Shin hey min You'll take a look at that. The Gemara then just got into the rest of this case because what Rabbah was teaching us was as follows. When he's telling to the Jewish merchants, if you're going to go ahead and buy the Hadassim from the Akum, you have to be concerned that there's an issue of theft. So in order to go ahead and obviate any concern regarding theft and ensure that my performance of the mitzvah is 1,000% kosher, Rabbah wanted two things. He wanted Yeyush and he wanted Shinoi Rishos. Yeyush and Shinoi Rishos. And therefore, again, in Yeyosh, we know that the owner has given up hope of ever retrieving it. Shunei Rishos, a change of domain. And the way Rava said to, to the merchants to accomplish that is, don't cut down the myrtle branches yourself. Have the Akum do it. Have the Akum do it. Because remember, again, you can't say there was, they can't say there was Yeyosh with the Karka. Why is there no Yeyosh with the Karka? Why not? Karka in an Exelas, right? You can't steal land, can't steal real estate. And therefore, again, let the Akum cut it down. When the Akum cuts down, he holds the myrtle branches. Ultimately, again, then there's Yeyush, then there's Yeyush, and when he transfers it over to the Jewish merchant, there's Shinui Makum. And therefore, again, at the end of the day, once the Shinui, or Shinui Rishos, I should say, Shinui Rishos. And therefore, again, once that arrives at the Jewish end user, there is no doubt about the kashras of the use of those Hadassim. But I will stop over here, continue tomorrow.